I want you to join me in 1 John chapter 2. I was young once. I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but I was young once. Amy, did you just throw up? Is that what that was? Shock. It was shock. Okay, good. That's better than throwing up. I was young once, and I remember very vividly standing over in this hallway um, with a friend of mine, and we were getting a drink from the water fountain, and I looked out in the, what's now the courtyard. It used to be a parking lot, but we used it for volleyball on our college, for our college group, and there was a young lady there. Is Becky? Becky is here. Okay. So pray for my trip to Tanzania and pray for my afternoon as well that I will survive today based on what I'm about to say. I saw a young lady out there. I remember, remember she had, I didn't know what they were at the time, but she had French braids. You know what French braids are? I did not know at the time what French braids were. And she had a, one of those pitching shirts that are white, but then they have three-quarter colored sleeves. I believe it was green. Are you going to help me or no? She, she's, wow, I'm in huge trouble. I believe it was green, and on the front it said, my heart belongs to Jesus. She was wearing a pair of jeans and tennis shoes, and she was bebopping all over the court, hitting the ball, and she looked like one of the Olympians that we've just been watching on TV. She was just, no, but she was having a blast, and I turned to my friend and I said, who is that? I wonder, is that love? A, a, a little while later, we, we got to know each other, we became friends, we uh, studied together, um, I could make her laugh, and that was something that was important to me, and I enjoyed that, and so we would spend together time together studying and see if I could make her laugh so hard that she would snort and things like that, and we just became friends, and then we went out on an on a official date, I guess, if you, you will, but it's funny because it was... It was, it was uh, she had done something for me. She has really beautiful handwriting, and she had done my graduation announcements, and I said, I'll take you out for a Coke. And all the ladies were going, really? How unromantic. And so we went out, and so it was very simple, but we talked, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked. I think we passed, missed curfew at the Bible school, but we talked, and we talked, and we talked. And I remember driving home that night going, this woman, this girl, is different than any other girl I've ever interacted with. I felt so comfortable, I felt so relaxed, I could just talk to her, I could tell her anything. I wonder, is this love? I think we've all at some point in our life, maybe more than once, we've asked that question. What is love? Is this love, that that physical thing that you get, you know what I'm talking about when you are nervous here, I think we call them butterflies, and, and you, you've practiced your speech, gentlemen. You know where I'm going with this? You've practiced your speech, you do? He shook his head, he knows already, wow. And you've practiced your speech, and there she is, and you're gonna ask her, and then nothing comes out the way that you had planned for it to come out. Is this love? Last night, yesterday afternoon, I was at Old Town Pizza, and they brought out the pizza. And they set it on that little stand, you know, on the table. And I looked at it, and I, is this love? Come on, I mean, look at that, is this? We ask this question a lot, don't we? We, we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we come into the body of Christ, we become a part of his family, we, we are part of this thing called the church, and now we've got all these relationships. And it's another one of those moments where we might find ourselves asking, what exactly is is love. We use this word so many different ways, and I want to tell you, I want to reassure you if you're struggling with, well, you know, is something wrong with me? No, because this has been an ongoing question that we have as human beings. What 
is love. How do we define it? How do you define this idea of love? Maybe a better question to ask is how does God define it? And that, wouldn't that be a good way to ask it? How does God define love? How do we know what love really is? Now, I'm just going to give you a little disclaimer. This is not going to be romantic. This is not going to fit this morning. The next few minutes is not going to fit your pre our preconceived ideas of love, I think. What John has to share. We come to 1 John chapter 2, the second chapter verse 3. And the theme, the, the title of our series, we've called it, This is How We Know. This is how we know. This is how we know who God is. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know what it means to be a child of God, a Christian. This seems to be the Apostle John's primary focus is how can we know what we know. And he starts verse 3 of chapter 2 this way. He says, we know and this is the word for know that he will use most frequently. In a little few minutes, he'll use a different word, but in our Bible, it'll just say no. The second, t- the second word has to do with you know about something. I know about the giants. I can tell you some facts. I can tell you some figures. I can tell you they won last night. I can tell you some things, you know, and it's pretty exciting. I, can t- I know about the giants. I've been to their house. I've been to the, you know, the ballpark, and I've watched them, and I know some of their histories, and I know some of their you know, personality traits and things like that because I know about them. And he's going to use that word later in our text. He'll use it a couple of times in his letter. But the word he uses most commonly for know is this word that means I know something because of personal experience. And I want to substitute a word that I'm going to mention a few times this morning, and it's this, intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy is the idea that I am so personally close to someone that I truly know them. There's no barriers. There's no, nothing in the way between me and this getting to know more and more of this person. You see, there's a barrier between me getting to know Brandon Belt, who's back. There's a barrier. I jump, I'm, I'm sitting in my chair, and I'm like, Brandon, yeah, Brandon Belt, yeah, you're back. You hit a homer, woohoo! And I jump over the wall, and I start running to him because we're going to get to know each other. We're going to have some intimacy. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to smell him. I'm going to wipe some sweat off his... No, I won't do that. I'm going I'm to... But there's a barrier, right? What's going to happen? Security. Security. <laughs> Security, first base. And there's going to be something that stops me. The idea of intimacy is that there's, there's whatever would keep us from really getting to know someone has been removed. And it's on John's heart as he writes this. It's on my heart. And when he uses this word know... We know something, it's through direct contact, direct personal experience. Remember where we started with this letter, remember? John didn't greet people, he didn't say who was writing it, he just jumped in and said, hey, we got something that we need to tell you, and we know this is true. Do you remember? If you don't, go back to chapter one, look at the opening verses, do it right now. We saw it, we heard it, we felt it, I'm telling you guys, readers, that we know Jesus. We have an intimate understanding of who he is because there was no barrier between us. We walked with him, traveled with him, we heard him, we talked with him. He says, we know that we have come to know him. We have this intimate understanding that we have come to know who, who is him. It's Jesus, right? That's been his, his topic, his, the subject the whole time. We've come to know him, and here's how we know. Here's how I can be confident that I have an intimate relationship with God. Oh, it's so romantic. You ready? It's so romantic. Do you see it? 
if we obey his commands. Ah, every teenager is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> every adult, for that matter. John says, this is the man who walked alongside of Jesus, traveled with him, served with him, ministered, watched him be crucified, spent time with him after his resurrection, and he says, this is how we know. We know that we have come to know him. We know who Jesus really is if we obey his commands. Now, if somebody says, the man or woman who says, well, I do know him, I'm offended by that, that you would say that, because I do know him, but that person doesn't do, he doesn't obey his commands, he doesn't do what Jesus commands, that person is a little confused. It's pretty strong, isn't he? It's a word that just means falsehoods come out of your mouth. It's, it's rooted in the same word, a similar Greek word that we would translate uncertain. Confused, don't know the truth, and so we just fill in the blanks. He says, the way that we know that we know him, the evidence of our intimacy with God is that we obey his commands. And the one who says, pushes back and says, well, I know him, but they're not doing his commands, that person is a liar. And the reality is this, John says, the truth is not in him. It's a phrase that means transformation. The truth has not found a home and feels at home so that it can make changes. My, my daughter and her husband surprised us and, and came down, Lindsay and Josh, and I know that they feel comfortable at home in my house. Do you know how I know that? <laughs> Some of you are already smiling. Because they just, they're just making it their own. And this is, it's good. It's all good if they're watching. It's all good. And they're moving stuff around, and, you know, Josh is in the refrigerator. That's great. And the kids are playing with the toys, and stuff is, and I can't find anything because everything's moved around, you know, and all. See, truth or in this case, my daughter and her husband have, they're at home, they've moved in, and they belong there, and they're making changes. That's the picture of this word, the truth is not in him. This phrase means that the truth is moved in, and it's found a home, and it's making changes. Does that make sense? He says that's not happened if you claim that you know Jesus, but you're not obeying his commands. But if anyone obeys, literally keeps, his word, if the person in question is obeying God, then God's love is truly made complete or perfect in that person. It is moved in and it's making rearrange, it's rearranging. Can you picture that in your mind spiritually, what that looks like? You, you hear from God this morning, he says something to you, he pinpoints and he says, that chair doesn't belong there by the TV, or that pile of dirty clothes need to be dealt with, or that rotten food in the fridge in the way back that you haven't seen for a month, that needs to be thrown away, or there needs to be, right? You need to do this, and as God speaks to us and he says, hey, this aspect of your life, I want to change it. I want to make some rearrangements, I want to move some stuff around, I want to get rid of some stuff. The question that we face then is are we going to take that and allow it to do its work in us so that it would complete the work that God intends his truth to do in me? Are you with me? That's his heart, is it not? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has moved in, and I love what Josh said this morning, I agree 100%, and if Jesus showed up, I'd hand him the mic. There ain't no, there's no way I'm up here preaching with Jesus sitting in the third row. He's, he's coming up. 
And he wouldn't say anything new, would he? he? He's revealed to us who he is. And his heart for us is to change us and remake us. He wants to move stuff around and transform us. The truth needs to find itself at home in me. And it will begin to transform me. It will begin to change me. If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete. Do you see that? The truth and love. God's motive and his love for us and what he wants to do through the truth. This is how we know. This is John's favorite phrase. That's why this series. This is how we know. This is the Apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved. He says, listen to me, listen to me, please. This is how we know that we're in him. That we're in him this is how we know that we're in him. What does that mean, in him? It's similar to the phrase, and I, th- I personally think John was reflecting back on Jesus telling them in, in his, that he recorded in his gospel in chapter 14, 13, 14, 15, that interaction with Jesus. And he says, you need to remain in me. You need to abide in me. Remember the picture of the vine and the branches and that connection, that intimacy he, he, Jesus tells his disciples, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to be, if you want to be fruitful for me, if you want to grow, if you want to bring glory to the Father, then you need to remain in me. There needs to be this relationship, this intimacy. And I believe that's, that's what's in John's mind as he's writing this phrase through the Holy Spirit. This is how we know we're in him. It literally means to remain. That's why another reason why I think it's connected to John's gospel. This is how we know that we're his that we've been recreated, there's a new creation, I've been born again, and I belong to him. How, John, how do we know? Do you see it in your Bible? I'm sorry if I'm yelling, this just fires me up. It's whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You wanna know you're in him, you wanna know you're on the right path, you wanna know that that you've been purchased by what he did on the cross and you're in his family because you know what, I got doubts or I got struggles or I'm I'm, I'm frustrated with what's happening in our world and I'm coming to church, does that mean I'm, is that how I know that I'm a Christian because I'm in church? I got a really big Bible, I got an actual one with pages in it. Does that mean? John said this is how we know that we're in him if we say that we are walking with him, that we claim to remain in him, that we're his, that our life, our actions, reflect him. See the phrase he uses? You just, you just behave like Jesus. That's the simplest way I know to say it, for me at least. You know, how do I know that I'm in him? Because I'm telling you, I'm in Jesus. But my life, when my life backs it up, affirms it, shadows it, or mimics it. John says, that's how you know. That's how you know. You're obeying him. In fact, you're obeying just as Jesus did. If I could put it into a sentence, I would say it this way. Obedience is the measurement of our intimacy. You want to measure how, how, how close I am to Jesus? Do I really know him? Am I walking with him? John gives us a simple measuring stick. He gives us a simple thermometer. Measure your obedience. Measure your obedience, and specific, even more specific than that, he says, pattern your life or put your life next to Jesus. That's why we have the Gospels. Do you realize that? Four big books in our New Testament so that I could look at his life, and then I can look at my life and say, they're more and more matching up or they're not. You walk as Jesus did. Obedience is the measurement of our intimacy. Jesus would say this in 
John's Gospel, chapter 17, Jesus says this is what eternal life is. This is eternal life, that they would know you, the Father, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. Jesus defines eternal life as intimacy with God. What did, what did the cross do for me? The cross removed the barrier that keeps me from being intimate with God. Didn't it? That, that security guard that goes, you know, security, and they're dragging me off the field. No, I just want to, I just want to give Brandon Belt a hug. I mean, he's awesome. He's my, you know. The barrier that was there, my sin, that kept me from being intimate to really knowing God, having an intimate relationship with him, the cross removed that barrier so that I can be intimate with God. Jesus describes the life that he came to give us as intimacy with God, that we would really know God, that you would know him. As you sit here on Sunday mornings and different, uh, different ones of us are here for teaching and talking about this, what is the goal? The goal is that you would know God, that you would know him, that if there's barriers in the way, that you would understand that something has been done to remove that barrier so that you can know him intimately. That is how Jesus describes eternal life. It doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts right now. It starts right now. Obedience is the measurement of our intimacy. There's no greater intimacy that I can think of than what is described for us in the word of God between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? It, it's th this trinity, this idea that God is one but he's three. It's a little... Right? It's like, whoa. But there's some very clear aspects to it, and one of them is that they are perfectly united. There's perfect intimacy between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? Jesus models it for us. In fact, let me say this, and I, I failed you this morning. I meant to bring, so you're going to have to just picture it in your mind. I meant to bring a Giants jersey. I have Giants jerseys in my closet, and I was going to bring one and put it on because this thought just kept coming into my mind as I'm preparing my own heart for this morning. It's this, obedience is the mantle, it's the uniform, if you will, it's what we put on and everybody sees and knows us by, the mantle of a true follower of Jesus Christ is, in fact, obedience. So I thought it was love, I thought it was, John won't distinguish between love and obedience, he's got them all intertwined. They're the motive for and the, the birthplace of and all that. The mantle that distinguishes me, the jersey that distinguishes me as a Giants fan, can you picture bright orange and black? The mantle, the jersey that distinguishes me as a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who knows God intimately, is obedience. When you look at my life, you would see me living like Jesus lived, responding like Jesus responded, talking like Jesus talked, relating to people like Jesus you with me? It's the mantle that identifies us as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. So when we look at that wall back there and it says we want to raise up passionate followers of Jesus who live by faith, who are known by love, and they're a voice of hope in our world, what is required for that to happen? In one word, it's obedience. It's obedience. All three of those are moments of obedience or disobedience to God on a daily basis. You got up this morning, as I did, probably pretty quick, there were challenges. Financial, physical, mechanical, age. 
and we begin to face challenges, and maybe you turn on the radio, or you turn on the TV, or you read, does anybody get the paper? You read the paper, you, you, your blogs, or whatever. You just begin to interact with the world that you're in, and pretty quickly, we are, we are challenged by this command, if I can say it the way, because it is, to live by faith, not by sight. It's not an option for the child of God. Would you agree? It wasn't an option for Jesus, even being God. He laid that aside and he submitted himself to the Father's plan and he submitted himself to the Holy Spirit and said, you do what you're gonna do through me. I'm available. I'm just gonna obey you. I'm gonna live by faith. To be known by love, is that a challenge to our obedience? Oh, come on. Many of you got up as I did this morning and there was another person, your wife or your husband was laying next to you. Is that a challenge to live by faith? Nobody wants to say, okay, I'll, I'll pass over that. My wife would tell you, yes, that's a challenge to live, or to be known by love, sorry. She might say it's a challenge to her faith, her love, and her hope. These three statements, live, these, these commands are lived out, they're expressions, if you will, of obedience. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. The one who has my commands, the one who knows what I'm asking of people and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. Wow, look at that. Jesus put obedience and love and he sandwiched them together. We don't like the word obey, do we? Okay, you don't want to answer, I'll answer. I do not like, there's these little signs along the road, they're white and black and they have commands on them. You know what I'm talking about? They have numbers. Well, they have letters too. You know what I'm talking about? I struggle with those. Who decided that 35 was going to be for whatever street? I'm going 50 and I'm fine. Come on. I know more than Caltrans. <laughs> we struggle with obedience. We make excuses. We justify. We have, we have some great skills, life skills, to get us out of obedience. Jesus says, the one who loves me obeys me. The one who obeys me is revealing that they Love me. And then he goes on to say, they will be loved by my Father. I will love him, I will love her, and I'll re reveal myself to them. What's he saying? He's saying again, the key, to obe the key to intimacy is what? It's obedience. It's obedience. As I obey him, God says, oh, I'm, I'm gonna show Kurt something that he's never seen before. He, he just read that verse and I spoke to him and he's been struggling in that area. And look at him, look, 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 look. And this happens all the time, I'm sure. Look at the knucklehead, look, he's, he's doing it. He's doing it. Oh, I'm gonna show him something about me that he hasn't watched this. And I come through that obedience and I come, oh God, you're so present, you're so good, you're so faithful. I didn't know. You, you tracking with me in your own thoughts, I hope? The one who loves me obeys me. The one who obeys me shows that he loves me. And what we're going to do when there's obedience is the Father and I are going to reveal ourselves to him. John 15, as the Father has loved me and I've also loved you. Wait, the Father has loved him. What did the Father do? What did the Father ask of Jesus? He said, I want you to go down. I want you to be born. I want you to let go of the power that you have because you're God and, and I want you to trust me and I want you to lean on the Holy Spirit and I want you to show our creation who I am. I want you to walk among them, teach them. They're gonna, they're gonna have our time with you and then I want you to be willing to give your life, be crucified, be buried. You good with that? And Jesus said, yes. yes. Has the Father loved me? Oh, in love he sent me 
and I have loved you, then remain in my love, because if you keep my commands, that's how you remain in my love. And just as I have kept my Father's commands, there's the model, there's the example, and I remain in his love, I've spoken these things to you so that your joy may be full. My joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying my life is, is the model, my life of obedience to the Father. Yeah, but Jesus, you're the creator, you're God. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. The word became flesh and I came into my own and they rejected me and I lived among them, but I came to seek and to save and I, I came to you but, but Jesus, you're, you're God. Yes, I am. And I'm your Savior. And I obeyed the Father. And now you can look at my life and know what love is. It's obedience. It's obedience to the Father. Verse 7 of our text, if you go back with me to John chapter 2. Dear friends, literally those who are loved by God, dear beloved, some translations will say, dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command. This is not something you haven't heard before. Good job, Josh, for stealing my, wherever you went, stealing my glory. But there it is. I'm not writing to you anything new. This is not a new command. This is not a, literally a new order or something that was previously unknown, but it's an old one. It's one that's been around for a long time, which you have had from the beginning. You're aware of this command. The old command is the message that you've heard. What is the message that you've heard? What is the law of Christ? That we're to love God with everything that we are and that we're to love our neighbors ourselves. Where does that start? That starts all the way back from the very, we would easily say Deuteronomy, right, where we're told that. But let's go to the garden. What is the one expression of love that God asked for from his creation? That they would, what? Obey him. You ever wondered, why did he put that tree there? Why did God put a tree and say, don't eat of the tree? I have. It's like, God, that's like a setup. You know, that's, what do we call it in police work? Entrapment, you know? Wow, that's a real, remember Eve? That's a really good looking piece of fruit. Oh, I bet it's delicious. Why would God do that? Why would God say, here's everything you need. It's perfect, it's beautiful. I love you, I created you. I wanna know you. We're gonna walk together in the morning. This is an amazing life. By the way, there's a tree right there. Don't eat it. Why did God do that? Because obedience is an expression of our love. It's always been God's expectation that we respond to him with obedience. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Here I am, send me. Yes, I will. You with me? That's what he's always asked. That we would obey him. And when we obey him, we show that we love him more than anything else. Do, do, you, do you connect with Eve's struggle? I do. Oh, she wanted that fruit. But what was at stake? What do I love the most? Do I love God? Oh, he's good? He's faithful? Satan, shut up. No, none of that stuff you're saying is true. No, no, he's good. I love him. Ah, I, can, I can live without that fruit. I'm going to go eat these 27 varieties over here. I love him. Why would I question him? I'm not going to disobey See, it's been from the beginning. John says the message has always been, been the same. It's always been with you. You've always had it. It's not a new, anything new. And yet he kind of is a little confusing, right? In the next verse when he says, well, yes, I am writing you a new command. <laughs> okay, John, make up your mind. Okay, let him explain. Yet I am. There is something new. 
Literally, it's the word for superior. There's something that is better. It's the same command, but I'm writing to you a new command, a superior command, and it's, and it's truth. The reality of this new command is seen in him. Who is him? It's Jesus and you. And you, as you follow him, as you imitate him. Because the darkness, as, as Matt reminded us the other day, that really has to do with sin, doesn't it? The realm of sin, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of sin. Because the, the darkness is passing. It's ceasing to exist. And the true light, the truth is already shining. We already know the truth, and now we have it in Jesus Christ. So anyone who claims to be in the light, that they're walking in the light, but hates his brother, Paul, Paul, John is going to give us a practical expression of this that we can all connect to. You say you love God, you say you're in him, you say you're obeying him, you're walking in the light, but you hate your brother, and this word is interesting. It means to spit on someone. It means you just, you despise someone. Do we ever despise our brother or sister? Our friend, coworker, other member of our church family? If this person claims that they're walking in the light but they despise their brother, they're still in the darkness. They're still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there's nothing in him to make him stumble or cause offense. It's really directed out at others. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness and they don't know where they're going. See, they don't know. They don't know what we want to know. I want to know what love is. I want to know if I'm in him. I want to know what the truth is. He says the picture, the picture he's painting is that you can claim whatever you want, but if your life doesn't back it up, then you're in the dark, and you don't even realize it, maybe, and you're confused, and you're lost, and you don't know where you're going because the darkness, the lack of light has blinded you to the truth. You ever been there? Ever been there at two or three in the morning going to the bathroom? And, and what darkness means? Some of you are smiling because it's yet to happen to you. You're too young. Others are grimacing because it has happened to you. You don't, well, of course I know where I'm going. The bathroom's right over there. And yet, pow. The blindness is, the darkness has blinded me. Let me give you another thought as I'm wrapping up this morning. The, the, the width I don't know if this will make sense to you, but it does to me. The width of our obedience reveals the depth of our love. Now what I mean by that, the width of our obedience, I I would say obedience is the ultimate expression of love. I hope that's been clear in God's word. It's the ultimate expression of my love for God, that I will love him above everything else. But the, the width of my obedience, meaning how much of my life am I willing, what, how many aspects, how many relationships, how many areas of my life am I willing to obey Jesus in? Does that make sense to anybody? Can I be real with you? There's areas of my life that are pretty easy to obey Jesus. There are. I I see some things in him, I see in his word, and I go, not a problem. Amen. I can obey that. Lift your hands and worship Jesus this morning. Amen. Dude, I can do that. That was amazing this morning. But then there's other areas where I have people in my life that have kind of feel like a thorn in my flesh or they feel like a, a burden or they, they feel like an enemy. And does Jesus address how I am to treat my enemies or treat those that I have labeled as my enemies? And did he model it in his life? 
Did he? Did he model it in his life? He did. So the depth of my obedience, meaning, am I willing to, to bring Jesus into every aspect, every relationship, every choice, every challenge, and say, Jesus, I love you, and I'm going to obey you in this moment. The width of my obedience reveals the depth of my love. Some of you here this morning, and I've been there, some of you here this morning have a closet in your, in your room, or maybe it's that, that cabinet above the refrigerator that's worthless. <laughs> See, I don't, that's all I gotta say. Like, you guys know what I'm talking about. I can't, maybe I'm short. I can't ever reach it. You've got, you've got that closet. You've got that cabinet. You've got the garage. You've got something that's off limits to God. And Jesus is saying, it's great that you love me and I, I see how much you love me because you're obeying me here and obeying me here, but I really want to go in that closet. There's some stuff in there. We, I, need, I need to be at home is the truth in your life and I need to m- remove some stuff and I need to replace it and I need to rearrange. I want to go there. And I go, no. No, no. Not giving you that key. The width of my obedience reveals the depth of my love for God. Is, that, is it making any sense? John will revisit this in his second letter, and I'm, I'm wrapping up. This is love. He says it absolutely without any kind of confusion. He says, this is love. John, what is love? What is love? Was that, that girl out there with the... The, my heart belongs to Jesus, and my stomach was doing flip-flops, and my eyeballs wouldn't stay in my head. And I was like, whoa, who is that? Was that love? John, what is love? This is love, that we walk according to his commands. We obey him. How do I know that I love God? Kurt, you obey him. Well, what about in, when the person does this? Do you obey him? What about when my boss, or this happens to the economy? Obey him. What about when the government does crazy stuff? Obey him. Obey him, obey him. This is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command as you have heard it from the beginning, it's not changed, that you must walk in love. Did I mention what the new part is? The new part is Jesus. The new part is that Jesus has shown me what it means, what it looks like to love God and love people. I watch him submit to the Father. Really, Jesus, you're gonna let them do that to you? Yes, this is why I came. This is why the Father sent me. But you're God, you created me. Yes, I did. And these are my, you're my creation. I, I love these knuckleheads. But I'm gonna obey the Father. That's what's new about the commandment from John. You go back to the beginning of his letter and he says, let me tell you, we've seen him, we've heard him, we've touched him. I'm telling you, we have walked with him and I've always known that we're to love God and love people, but not like I know it now, because I know him. And he's shown me what's new about this, what's superior about this command, is that we love the way Jesus loves us. Here he said it, John 13, last passage. I give you a new command, this is Jesus speaking. Love one another. Well, Jesus, that's not new. I'm not done. Sam, stop interrupting me. Sam wouldn't interrupt him. I would. I'm not done. A new command I give you, love one another, yes, 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 just as I have loved you. And if you know John 13, you know what just happened, don't you? He just washed their stinky, smelly feet. 
I want you to love one another the way that I've shown you what love is. Can I close with this? Can I give you questions? And I'm going to move quick because my time is up. And if you want to get these, I'm going to encourage you to write these down. But here, here's what I think I need to do with this and what we need to do. This. Ask yourself five questions. You ready? If you don't get them all, they'll be up here too. And maybe we can leave them up there. Or you can come see me afterwards. Number one, according to what we just read and his, his definition of walking in the light and walking in the dark, am I walking in the light right now or am I walking in the dark? Make sense, the question? Okay, we just heard what John said. Number two, in what situations do I struggle to love the way Jesus loves me? Is it when somebody offends you, when somebody ignores you, when somebody doesn't think that you're important, when you get the wrong change at the store, when your kids don't do what you want them to? You fill it in. What situations am I struggling? Remember the width of my obedience? When I look at that, there's these areas over here that I'm really struggling to obey the way Jesus to love the way Jesus loves me. Number three, who? This is for your eyes only in God, okay? So if you're married, don't let it show right now. Talk about it this afternoon. But seriously, do that. But who do you struggle to love? There's something powerful of putting a name down on paper and looking at it going, oh man, yeah, oh. I love Jesus and I love God and I'm struggling to love this person. I need to grow in this particular area of my love. Who do I struggle to love? Number four, how is God asking me to love someone? And it's probably the name you just wrote down. I'll leave that up to you. But how is God asking me to love someone? What specifically is he speaking to? And I pray that as you have heard these words, you heard the Holy Spirit, and he brought these moments into your thinking, and he's saying to you, you need to start with blank, this person, and here's what I want you to do first. I want you to call them today. I want you to text them. I want you to invite them out for lunch. I want you to go to their house. I, I want you to do what Jesus would do. How is God asking me to love someone? And number five, God, where do I start? Where do I start? There's a, there's a thought in my head that's dominating, and it's not a thought from God. There's an emotion I have that's just getting in the way. There's some fear. Well, if I do this, how are they going to react? Or there's anger. They need to know the truth. You with me? God, where do I start? Right now in this moment, what are you asking me to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to either bow your head or just whatever will allow you to kind of reflect for a moment. We're going we're gonna to come to the Lord's table. And if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, this, this is how we're going to conclude our time together. We had some amazing moments this morning, and God's all over what we've seen and witnessed, and he's moving and he's working. And I want us to, to, to land as we go from this place, and we interact with each other, and we go to our lives that he's called us to live. I want us to go from, from this place, just to stop for a moment. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're in him, you're his. But let me suggest that maybe he's saying to you in this moment, maybe he's saying to us, when you, when you look at the cracker in the cup, you know, what do you see? Well, I see a piece of plastic with some juice in it, and I see what it looks like to be an oyster cracker. And that's not what I'm asking, is it? What do I see when I see this cup, and I see this cracker, and I hear Jesus saying, this is my body which is broken, and, and this is my blood which is poured out, can I suggest to you that he's asking you and I to see this, to see love and obedience. 
There is a love in coming to the Lord's table and remembering, reflecting on what Jesus has done. Love is written all over it, that God would love me this much, that Jesus would love me this much. And in every aspect of his death and burial and resurrection, resurrection, in every aspect of the Lord's table and coming to communion, what also is written all over it is obedience. It's Jesus saying this, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Can we take that phrase and can we overlay it to tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock and Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. and Wednesday morning at 6 a.m.? You with me? Can I take that love and obedience that Jesus had for the Father, the love he had for the Father, their oneness, and his willingness to say, I am here to obey the Father, whatever comes my way. Jesus says, come to the table and see the cup and see the cracker and remember this, that if you love me, you will obey me. You will obey me. It's not about earning. Please don't go there. So I didn't obey him this week, so I'm not welcome at the table. No, 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 you, I love you, but you got it wrong. You come to the table, we come to the table because of his grace and his love for us. But we come to the table and we remember that Jesus loves us, he loves this world, he loves the Father, and he lived in obedience to the Father. And because he did, I can stand before you today redeemed, rescued, set free from my sin. Because Jesus loves me and he was willing to obey the Father so that I could be set free. Some music is going to play, and Greg, if you would provide some music, and I'm going to pray, and you know there's tables. I'm going to pray, and then as God leads you, I just invite you to come to the table. I'm going to partake up here, and we're going to partake together, and my challenge to us is let's remember the love and the obedience of Jesus, and let's surrender our lives to him. Let's go from this place ready to love and to obey God in all aspects of our life. And in a few minutes, I will close this in prayer. So don't wait, but prepare your hearts. Let's pray together. Father, how good you are to us. How good you are to this creation, to this world. And we, we sang this morning, we don't deserve it, we can't earn it. There's no way for us to remove the barrier that blocks our intimacy with you. You did it. You sent your son and Jesus, you came and you, you stood in our place and you conquered death, you conquered sin and now you're inviting us to walk in intimacy with you, to walk in obedience to your commands, to walk in obedience to your life, Jesus. In this moment, God, as we just come to the table as Jesus has commanded, would you speak to us, would you draw us to yourself, tear down the fear, tear down the anger, tear down the guilt. We sang of that too, the, gain, the shame and the guilt. God, it's been removed, but we put it back in place. Tear it down. And remind us this morning as we look at the cup and as we look at the cracker, the bread and the, and the cup, how deeply we are loved by you. And help us to remember, Jesus, that we have been called to follow in your footsteps, to live in obedience to your commands. You told us to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that you've commanded us. We want to be those faithful disciple makers. 
So Holy Spirit, move in the few moments that we're going to have together and speak to each of us according to our need. In Jesus' name, amen. You are invited to the, to the Lord's table.